Welcome to another episode of the Young, Dumb and Broke podcast. My name is Josh Gaventa. I am one of the hosts. I'm joined by my very good friend, Shimmy Morris. And we'll introduce ourselves very quickly for those of you who haven't heard this podcast before. But Shimmy, what do you do for a living? I am a YouTuber um, and like an internet marketer, you could say. Exciting. Yeah, what it do you changes do? changes literally every time. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I am a social media marketer and private tutor. Um, today, we're very, very lucky to be joined by a special guest. Uh, we've had, Shimmy, we've had your brother, Yudi. Yep. Now we get my brother. Welcome, literally my actual brother. My brother, Eli Gaventa. Welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. Thank you very much for coming on. It's very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. I'm ha- excited to be here. We're talking this episode all about charities. Uh, the main reason being because Ellie works for a charity and is studying a master's in voluntary sector management. Did I get that right? You did, yeah. Excellent. Would you have got that right if I hadn't just asked him that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it changes when I tell people different things. It's how, how to run a charity, basically. Where are you doing the master's? Um, CAS Business School. They have a sub school for called the Center for Charity Effectiveness, so it's like like an MBA but specifically for charities. That's cool. That and the charity cool. you work for is quite large. Yep. And it funds. What does it fund? What does it do? What does well, the charity you work for do? Yeah. So I've been working. I'm 28. I've been working in the charity sector in a variety of different roles for probably 12 years since I was 18. Wow. Um. Well, no. That's, that would be 10 years. Uh, since I was about 16, um, doing, you know, as a volunteer, as you know, running things as a paid member of staff, everything in between. Um, the charity I currently work for is a Jewish charity called UJIA, which stands for the United Jewish Israel Appeal, which doesn't actually help you understand what it does. <laughs> uh, it does two things. You know, again, like depending on who I'm talking to, there's a different spiel each time. But basically, it raises money to help people help themselves out of poverty in Israel and builds shared society. So people work, you know, working together, getting getting on better with each other in the north of Israel. Um, and then the other half of what it does, it does like Jewish education um, and youth work in the UK. There's not many things. If you are a young person and a member of the Jewish community in the UK, for example, there's not many things that exist without the funding that your charity provides yeah pretty much yeah it's a little bit of a sprawling you know t- involved in lots of different bits and pieces doing lots of different things um trying to get better at doing like a few things really really well but that's what we're working on so yeah. what's your what's your role within it so i have the title called head of youth and students which sounds very fancy which is very nice I, it's a title i asked for myself <laughs> um and basically it's anybody that is from as they go into secondary school through to finishing university um if we want to do something you know to do with jewish education or israel education i it's my responsibility to make sure something happens for them so that's you know funding secondary schools youth so movements you youth work clubs. on an individual basis then like i thought you i thought it was like working with camps and groups and stuff like that yeah, most of what we do, so this is interesting, you know, coming with talking about the, what charities do, there are charities that give directly to a term called like beneficiaries, the people that benefit from the charity. So, you know, I give money, you give me money as a donor, I give it to person in need. Um, the other way that they work is through other charities. So we are a funder, we you know, get lots of money in and then we distribute it to other charities, who, smaller ones, who then go and 
do stuff for the people in need. Ah, uh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So you're a couple of steps away from where the money goes in your particular role? Uh, mostly. mostly. UGI does lots of things. We also do direct programming, so I will go into like a classroom and teach as well or run programs for people. Yeah. And will that be about charity or just anything? Uh, about Jewish education. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Israel education as well. All right. Yeah, that's cool. And the two are closely interconnected. I think that's something we'll... Not that specific. We're not going to get into that. No. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> that's a whole not. other thing. <laughs> what I think we'll get into a little bit is you work for a charity. You think of charity, you think of fundraising and giving that money to a thing, not necessarily being a program director, which is essentially what you are. Yeah. You don't you don't raise money and then you don't necessarily have too much to do with giving it to someone so what does that mean in a charity? Yeah, what's the point of my job? That's a good question. <laughs> I ask myself it sometimes Stereotypically, as well. we think a charity, you donate money and it takes that money and gives it to something or someone else. And there's not a lot in the middle. Um, but we're going to get into that. What I wanted to start with, actually, is to kind of help everybody define some terms. Yeah. I wanted to start by asking, there are over 150,000 charities in the UK. I think there's 166,000 charities in the UK. He says, not looking at notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That sounds to me like it's a lot. That's a lot of charities, 160,000. Yeah, but some of them must be tiny and like, like how many like big, big charities are there? Excellent question. Good question. Um, so first of all, the, first of all, the question is what, like if I, if I were to ask you, what is a charity? What would you say? Like, I, come I, I would just say, you know, Someone, not necessarily for money related, but just someone that helps someone else for no cost of anything, monetary cost or work cost or any costs. Yeah. Or maybe like with no, with no profit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically. So there was something called, there's lots of different charities acts. So what a charity is, is enshrined in British law. Um, so a charity, this is the 2006 Charities Act. I could talk about the other ones if you really want me to. Um Basically, it has to do two things. One, it has to have a charitable purpose, and it also has to be for a public benefit. Um, so public benefit is things like, you know, prevention or relief of poverty, advancement of education, health, religion, sports, culture, um, you know, the efficiency of the armed forces is one, interestingly. There's about 13 different um, uh, things that would like classify as public benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And charitable purpose, i.e. charitable, not making a profit. Oh, yeah. right. So the charitable purpose just means to say we're not doing this to make money. Well, it's not anything more than that. But that's a bit of a that's a bit of a weird statement there because the people within the, the business in the charity, the charity is still a business at the end of the day. I mean, you're part of a yes, you're part of a uh, charity, but you're also part of a company because you're getting paid. Hmm. Um, so it's never like truly no profit because yes, it's not profit, but then a lot of money is obviously going to the people running the charity as well as the people in the charity are providing for and that's what you said we were going to talk about a bit later yeah well yeah. is a charity like a business just because are you reacted to that when you said yeah no it's a really interesting i mean so i'm doing a the equivalent of mba but for charities and i'm doing it in a business school um so there is this interesting overlap between the uh, charities are organizations yes yeah, a non-profit organization yeah it's a non-profit organization um so there may be the difference the better way to think about it maybe is um it's not making profit but it might make a surplus Right. And then, you know, but it's all about putting that money back to its beneficiaries and its staff, you know, and making sure that its staff are there to help do that. 
Right. So rather, it's not like, oh, if this, this is happening at the end of the day, the staff get bonuses. Right. Okay. I mean, that would be nice. Well, that would be amazing. Yeah, it's, I mean, not like, <laughs> it's not like Amazon making a loss. Amazon aren't considered a charity, but they potentially make a loss year on year. So right. it's just because you don't aim to make a profit and any surplus will go to people. Yeah, on, on the most it. basic level, every, all the money that comes in in a given year should go out in a given year. Like it's more complicated than that because right. also like, I should have reserves and making sure it's sustainable and and you know investing in long term projects. But broadly speaking, yeah, right, yeah. Um, some other relevant stats. So there, the income for the charity sector is around fifty billion. Um, so it's fifty billion raised in roughly in a, any given year. Um, there's a reason why the masters that I'm doing is is called the voluntary sector management as opposed to say charity sector management. Because if we think about charities, there's about 900,000 people working for a charity in the UK. Um, for comparison, the NHS alone employs 1.2 like million. So there are more people working just in the NHS. Um, but there are around 20 million volunteers in any given year volunteering at least once in the UK. That's a lot. That's a, that's a, that's a third of the population of volunteers. Yeah, at least once. Yeah, and that this was this was also pre-COVID that stat, and it would have gone up massively during COVID as well. Wow, that is crazy. So that's why it's it's called the voluntary sector because it's nine twenty million volunteers yeah. and nine hundred thousand staff, but we call it the charity sector rather than the voluntary sector. Well, yeah, I mean, I call it the voluntary sector or the third. I mean, we can come into those terms in a second. Um, so you can split those charities in a couple of different ways. So like social services, family services, services for the elderly, um, shelters, refugees, income support, like the t- typical like poverty stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, nice technical, that's, that's technical, technical term. term poverty stuff. Poverty stuff. <laughs> yeah. Very technical. Um, is about 20% of those 160 charities. Um, 160,000. 20% of 160,000 is yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Get anyone. close to the mic, by the way. Just uh, saying. Okay, yeah. Um, so that, now I've got lines. Cool. Um the next largest group is uh, culture and recreation so arts historical societies sports clubs it's like your sunday league club might be a charity and that right. counts that counts as one of those 160 so if you think right. about you know every local community has its sports club that's you know that's very quickly going to add to the numbers um and that's about 15% of all charities are um, culture and recreation what do you think the next highest is Probably, it feels like I'm teaching. I was thinking like illness-related yeah, charities. Yeah, something, cancer, something like that. You would think um, it's religion or faith-based organisations. There are 15,000 faith-based organisations. Huh. So that includes synagogues, churches, mosques. Really? They, yeah, but lots of them will be registered as charities. Schools? S- sort of. So the schools will probably have a um, separate charity associated with it. Right. So like a PTA, Parent Teacher Association, might be a charity for that particular school. No, but sometimes don't entire schools get registered as charities? Yeah, it's complicated though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe some specific types of schools that we're thinking about that we don't need so to it go goes, So it goes poverty stuff, as you so eloquently put it. Yeah. <laughs> poverty stuff, then sports and recreation. And Culture and recreation, stuff, yeah. And then... Than faith, faith-based wow. yeah. organisations. Yeah, and that, that that together is thirty-five percent. Um, what's next? Good question. 
I don't have it off the top of my head. I only looked at the top three. Um, <laughs> but the, yeah, those are the ones that are the biggest ones. And then they'll split up amongst the others. Will there be village halls and, or is that part of? That would be culture and recreation. Yeah. But if you think of it, so the other way to think about it that's probably more helpful is you can split charities into different sizes based on income. So there's micro and small, which is less than 10,000 and then 10,000 to 100,000. So micro is 10,000 or less? Less than 10,000, yeah. What, per year? Yeah. Income, like yeah, donations inc- of 10,000 or less? Yeah. That's not very much, though. That's not, not at all. That's nothing. No, it's not at all. And then small is 10,000 to... 100,000. Yeah. Medium is 100,000 to 1 million. Yep. Large, 1 million to 10 million. Yeah. Major, 10 million to 100 million. Super major... Um, more than a hundred million. Sounds like army ranks. <laughs> yeah, or like the. So you work for a large. I yes, yeah, I work for a large charity. So yeah. that's that's one to ten. Million. Yeah. Right. I think that's most of the charities that I get texts about or that people are fundraising are in that bracket. Are you getting mostly char- texts about Jewish charities? Yeah. Yeah. There's yes. Most of them. I haven't actually. Sense. It was interesting. I was going to try and re- find this out before the podcast. Um. I have a suspicion, but I don't have the data to back it up, that the Jewish community has a greater proportion of um, medium, large and major charities than the gen- than the norm would be for the rest of society. We're a particularly affluent community, broadly speaking. Right. Um, and also, the whole idea of charity is it's like a thing we have to do rather than a thing we want to do or don't want to do. Yeah, it's embedded in Jewish culture. Right. Yeah, Jewish religion. Um, yes. That's really interesting, though. Yeah. So what would be like what what give us a, a what is it a super major? Super major would be like an an Oxfam or a Cancer Research UK. Yeah. Those are on the top 10 list. Are they? Yeah. See? Wow. Hey? Yeah. Well, who oh. else? Amnesty. Um Red Virgin Cross. Money. <laughs> <laughs> wow. National Lottery, does that count? No. Um National Lottery would National Lottery would be a foundation sort of than a charity is complicated the distinction um but so save the children international is the largest there's 957 million Whoa. um cancer research second largest 634 um oxfam's on there save the children fund is on there so it's like the uk version and then the international version british heart foundation like the big names that get oh, the most yeah, of course. there's that sort of what they call the household names so the equivalent in the Jewish community is like the ones that people you say, you go to somebody on the street, say, I'm fundraising for cancer research. It's like, okay, yeah. You'll see ads for them on TV. Right. Yeah, you're not going to see ads for your local football Sunday league on TV. <laughs> like, it's not going to happen. Or like your village hall or whatever. Um, but the super major and major are less than half a percent of all those charities. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Um. 80% are micro or small. Really? So yeah. 80% of all charities in the UK are 100, have a donation of an, in- an income. Up to 10,000. 100. Yeah, 100, micro, micro yeah. is up to 100,000. Micro up to less is less than 10. Small yeah. is up to 100,000. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So we're going to come back to this, but given that there are 160 odd thousand charities and there are household names and there are tiny ones and all different types imagine me all of 26 years old i've got an income thank god right <laughs> most of the time get in i've got an income and i want to donate i, I want to donate to charity we'll get into how often or what's better a one-off or monthly or regular all those kind of things w- what the hell do i do now 
I want to donate to charity. Now what? Yeah. Before that, I just want to just want to clarify the reason why I think it's really important to um, th- when we when we're thinking about charity or the voluntary sector to keep in mind that eighty percent of them are micro and small is that when we come to this decision of where I have I I am a charitable person I want to do good in the world I have an income I want to give to charity um, the question of who and what to give to um, it's a very different sort of decision if you want to give to like say a local micro small charity like your local youth club or scout group or village hall or whatever versus if you want to give to cancer research like the scale of how they're operating and the impact that your relative that your donation will make relative to the size of it is going to be very very different but i would start with so let's say pick a cause and we can run through like like a checklist pick a cause should we pick a cause you care about cancer with children okay very specific but that just happens yeah. to be the charity that i donate to so <laughs> yeah so first question what is the way you want to contribute to that cause you want to stop cancer happening for children yeah i mean i, I don't yeah. know if that's possible but at least yeah. help along with the process yeah big vision big mission you know, same yeah. uh, eliminate cancer or cure cancer yeah yeah so you know there's there's always this you know do you want to can you donate time can you donate money right yeah which do you want to do money okay one at a time I just feel like my money would go further than my time. Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, you do what you want, obviously. Um, <laughs> is that true, though? Or is it specific to the charity? I you think it depends on the charity. Somet- sometimes time does go further than money, but with me, with cancer research for kids, I've... Yeah, you're, you, you're not going to go into the lab and do some research. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's not going to be helpful. <laughs> I just mean nuisance. Be a big worry if Shumi was the one doing the research. Oi. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know anything about science. <laughs> I think I got a B in GCSE. <laughs> yeah, but the reason why it's relevant is it's think about so there's 900,000 people working to solve, you know, big issues and trying to do charitable work in the UK. But there are 20 million volunteers. Right. So that's why the, that time versus money is a relevant question. Um, it could be maybe you have some specific expertise that the charity could do with. Yeah, like fundraising, anything like that. It yeah. doesn't have to be anything about the research part. Yeah, of yeah. It. yeah, yeah, exactly. I get that. Yeah, you know, or join a committee. Woo-hoo. Right. Uh, fun times. Um, I mean, you can ask me maybe later about my opinion on committees. <laughs> we love them in the Jewish. So community. how how would you suggest yeah. one goes so about picking a cause? Say you don't really have, you care about loads of things, right? You might care about poverty, refugees, asylum seekers, them. cancer. You care about loads of different issues. Uh, is there a way, a method to pick one, or do you just go, whatever I care about? That well, well, that's a different question. We've picked cancer to start with, then we can talk about picking between the different ones. Fine. Um, yeah, I've already yeah. picked the charity, <laughs> mate. Come on, stay on task. Um, Too busy with his notes. Yeah. <laughs> so, first of all, I think, is to decide how much you want to give. Right. So, either as a percentage of income, proportionate, and then proportionate to that should be the, how, the amount of time you spend researching and picking the charity um start with a broad search narrow it down so it could be okay i want to stop cancer i want to eliminate cancer okay then you've narrowed it down to specifically in children okay what kind of cancer in children you know do you want to be like specific on that do you want to be um thinking about you know research do you want to think about care do you want to you know yeah the actual medical care or do you want to think about okay somebody's getting chemotherapy as a child and you know a clown's going to turn up and make them feel better does that count as I'm helping, you know, I want, I'm helping somebody who has um, cancer feel better? Is that something you want to give to and support? So, ne- so starting with that broad search and narrowing it down. 
And then there are a bunch of metrics you can use to assess the charity. Right. So do they have a clear goal or mission? Does that mission speak to you? So that's, you know, that's all what we're just saying, you know, is the mission I want every child who's having chemotherapy to feel good whilst they're having it and have something to distract them from it. And maybe that's going to be the clown turns up or um, superheroes in, you know, dressed up and and all all that sort of thing. It could be, you know, every chemotherapy ward for children's going to have like a games console and you want to do a game, you know, fund that, whatever, whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. Does that mission speak to you? And then to think about, is that charity working to achieve that mission and can you as the potential donor see them working towards it like are they actually making a difference are they actually doing the thing that they're saying that they're doing um that's both from your perspective i would also like also really recommend asking them hi charity x who's doing some cancer related stuff i want to donate some money to you can you tell me about your charity? Can you talk to me about how you assess your progress? What metrics are you using? Not just the ones that I can see. Um, you know, they most charities will have a person or lots of teams of people who are dedicated to taking your call or answering your emails and like doing donor relations. Yeah. And also occasionally, you know, moving you as you donate ten pounds and then next year it might be hundred pounds and moving you up and up at that scale of giving. Um Think about, do you want local, national, or international? Do you want to say, you know, in the in Northwest London, do you want to pick a cancer charity that's doing stuff for uh, kids in Northwest London? Do you want to do it with pe- particular people in your community? So is it a Jewish charity or not? Yeah, we have ones like Cancer Simcha, for example. Does right. Um, Chai, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Does that matter to you? Um, should it be international, like a huge research one doing, you know, lots of research? Can see my knowledge there coming through. It's <laughs> a research one. Yeah, doing some research. I have a research charity. Busy doing research. Yeah. Um, Mind blown. <laughs> yeah. There's this. Then there's a question about like transparency. So does it matter to you to know where and how your donation is being used? So let's say you want to give a hundred pounds. Does it? Do you want to know that's going to X thing? Right. Yeah. You know, a tangible thing. So like you know. Um. I thing. guess that also depends on how much you give. The more you give, the more you're going to want to know where it's going. Yeah. Yeah. What is, yeah. What's it being used for? What's the impact of it? Um, and then sort of assessing, like, is the charity good at telling you where it's going? Um, that sort of thing. Um, some more, like, esoteric, like, broad, general sorts of things that aren't, like, quite, well, broad is are the, what are the methodologies that they're using so not saying that every every person who donates to charity should be able to assess you know the in like specific detail is it being effective you know are they doing the research that's relevant um but like can you see that they're testing new ideas they're innovative they're learning from those tests they're improving their organization there's a sense of growth and dedication to mission um, how, how would i know that Let's say we are yeah, using cancer an exa- as an example. I know mm. nothing. I might, for example, if I was someone who unfortunately had someone I close to me who was suffering with the thing that that charity was trying to solve, I'd probably have a more intimate knowledge of the yeah. things people dealing with that need so I could assess whether or not a charity is achieving that. But it's say I don't know. 
I just think this is a really good cause I should give to it. I, what actual knowledge do I have as a donor to really assess what it, without asking them, because I'm, even though I'm sure charities want to be as honest and transparent as they possibly can. Well, if I'm saying, hey, I'd like to donate, but I'd like to know more, they're going to tell me what they need to tell me with still being truthful to make sure I donate. So how do I actually assess, okay, how do I know that this cancer charity is being innovative? I wouldn't know the first thing about being innovative in research or things like that. Yeah, I mean, you, obviously, you can only based you can only judge based on your own expertise and experience, um, sort of. Um, but if you were just based on your, it's, I think the first question would be: Do they talk the talk of we are testing new things? This didn't work. This failed. This is what we learnt. Are they, you know, going through that cycle of innovation of trying to make change? Um, and this is where the difference between like a micro charity or versus like a super major or super major. I don't need my local sports club or scouts scouts group <laughs> to be innovating and going through a process of testing and trialing new things. In order, it just needs to go and do you know some scouting stuff with the kids on a Sunday afternoon, whatever. Um, but if it's a major, like if it's a major charity trying to solve real societal problems, then I w- yeah I wanted to be doing it. Um, I wanted to be trying new things because clearly we haven't been successful yet there's still problems in society we haven't solved it we're not done um and like connected so yeah and if you don't want to rely on just your own knowledge and experience and expertise there are tons of um like independent uh, websites or groups that assess charity effectiveness and how much of the money is going to donors how much of it is being and uh, yeah, are they spending it well? Are they doing things? I've seen those websites. Are they accurate though? Because how do they know? So they'll they'll talk about their methodology on websites. So there's a bunch of ones that kind of came out of a movement like called the Effective Altruism Movement, started by somebody called Peter Singer. Um, it's a good book. It's the Life You Can Save. I recommend. Um, short book, like written for the layperson. Um, it's it changed my perspective on sort of charity and how I want to give money. That's cool. Um, the, the, the out of that effective altruism movement came lots of different um, websites they're assessing charities. I would look at them in, don't just use one source. In the same way, like, you know, how to consume media you know, yeah. responsibly. Look at multiple sources, do your best thing. You don't just use that website, okay, pick one out of the hat, etc. Um, rely on others to do the research. Talk to your friends, talk to other people. If you know somebody, you know, specifically this is sort of the podcast is aimed, aimed at young people. Talk to your parents, talk to people who are older than you, ask, you know, you're, do you give to charity? Who do you give to? How do you give? That sort of thing. Yeah, it's kind of like who you resonate with as well. Like mm. for me with charity, there have been certain charities that stand out and I remember them and I feel like I feel like a connection to them and I feel like what they do is really nice and really yeah. good. And then there are other charities where I just feel like, no, I don't even think you should be a charity kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's interesting. What In what way? So, for example, um, there's a charity. Um, you, don't have, you don't have to name it. No, no, I won't name it. But basically, they just they, they, they help um, um, married couples have children when they can't. Right. Right. Um, and they have a very specific goal. They have a very specific amount of money they try to raise because each, each um, process, each, um, uh, uh, you know, the process of 
creating a baby and all that kind of stuff, it costs a certain amount of money. So they have a very specific thing. And then it's also a very specific outcome of what's going to happen. You know, so they say if you give 18,000 pounds, right? You are basically enabling one uh, uh, mm. family to have a, a, a child. And it's just like a very direct impact. And you kind of feel like, wow, that that's really amazing, right? And they're very specific about where the money goes. Whereas you have another charity, again, I'm not going to say any names, where it's like, um, oh, I don't know who's listening to the podcast <laughs> and then they'll recognize the charity. Um, but like, but, so it's, okay, so hypothetically, let's, let's say it's, you know, it's a school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you get that sometimes, school raising money for their school. Um, and we had this with the school that we went to. Um, uh, they were raising money. And the money's going on like a bigger playground, another classroom and this kind of thing. And I'm just thinking like, I, I personally don't feel like the kids need another classroom or a bigger playground when there are much bigger problems in the world and people don't have any playgrounds or any classrooms or food or anything like that, right? So rather help the people who are really, really desperate in need rather than help the people who really have a lot have even more. Mm. Way. But I don't know if that makes me sound like a dick. <laughs> Not at <laughs> like, all. You would be, I think actually, for well, what I know of you, I think you'd really like the Peter Singer stuff because that is very much that same sort of line. It is, okay, let's say our, the ultimate aim is to save lives. And that's what we should be focusing on first because more people alive is better than more people dead. Right. That should be a fairly un- uncontroversial statement. Not according to Thanos, but yeah. Well, sure. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, that's a fascinating discussion because it is somewhat of a controversial. Yeah. Um, but not really. Um, so, okay, then, you know, the money that I give should be going towards, okay, well, with this £10 that I have, with this £100, with this £1,000, how many lives can I save? Right. And if that should be the equation, um, which on the surface, that really resonates and that, that, ma- that makes sense. But it's not really as simple as that because some of the things that we want to do, it's not just about life versus death, it's also about quality of life and living in a society that is you know, fair and equitable and people yeah, don't no, discriminate and 100%. all those things. And so just charity is also supposed to, Another, if we said like there's charity sector, there's the voluntary sector, there's also something called, another word for it is civil society. So it's this, the gap between or the space between the state, what the government is supposed to do, um, and the, sort of the public sector and the market, the private sector. And the space in between is where the civil society, charities, volunteers, all those things, there's this phrase called uncoerced human association. Um, people coming together to do things for each other um, to make their lives better. Um, and it's sort of supposed to fill in the gaps that the state or the pro or the market aren't meeting and also pressure them and you know lobby them and to campaign and do all those things so that they are so there are less and less gaps it's like the example of the school um why isn't the government funding that the government should be able to give more money to schools so they have better playgrounds and classrooms that work why do we as a local community have to do that well okay that's a good question and for me, any the charities that are raising money in order to like build a playground should also be thinking about, okay, that's good. Yes, we'll do that. How do we lobby government so we don't need to do this again? Right. Interesting. It should do both at the same yeah. time. Sort of to how to put themselves out of business. Right. So um, they're not in that situation again. Yeah. It's interesting. But the thing is, it's funny because like that 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 charity, that fundraiser, they actually 
surpass their goal mm-hmm. and they would be in i think the major leagues because they raised over a million yeah right and in my mind i'm just thinking holy shit that is a lot of money that is a lot of money right and then on the on the other hand you have charities who you know are, aren't capable of raising anywhere near that but are doing completely life-changing things and I don't know. So I, I got into quite a bit of a, a, an argument with someone who was fundraising, and and I and I and I told them how I felt, right? And they were just like, "No, that's wrong. You know, you should set aside for kind of everyone in a way. You know, you should do this, do that." Um, and and yeah, I mean, it was it was a really it was a really awkward conversation. Yeah, there's you a... could probably sort of chalk that down to bad fundraising. You ask someone, "Would you like to donate?" and they say, "No, thank you. Here are my reasons." You don't then go, "No, you're wrong." Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's not yeah, that's not a good get fundraising technique on your side, is it? Yeah, but yes. a lot of charities now. I mean, the ones that what well, I know about, and maybe you, but probably not you so much. But well, you know about these as well. But like. A lot of fundraising is just done by the individual who has an association with that charity and it's done through, you know, you set up groups and you call and you do calls. Like, for example, like Lauren's mum, right? Mm-hmm. Lauren is my wife. I think everyone knows on the podcast. She works for Chai. Um, and they and they did a whole, recently did a whole massive fundraise and they raised a whole bunch of money. But for me, that resonates as a charity that I would want to give to a lot more just because of what they're doing, mm. right? But then, and, and, and she was, she works them. But I'm saying like, the people who were fundraising for them were just individuals in the community, right? And the same one with this school, it was just parents of kids that went to that school, right? So they, these people aren't like educated in how to fundraise and, and the techniques and all these different things. So I don't, I don't blame them for how they do it. It's just, that's, that's what they know. Yeah, the Jewish community and the Jewish community charity sector, um, it's not unique in this way, but it's, it's a particular aspect of it that i think makes things complicated is that it fundraises from the people that are also its beneficiaries right in some sense but i feel like it's not just in the jewish religion yeah that that's happens. not specific in most in most uh, we just don't know really about them so much yeah well, what, what do you mean by that so it fundraises from the people that are also its beneficiaries yeah like my my for you know this is something that i think about quite quite a bit is for my charities that we do jewish education the people that we're fundraising from will also their kids might go on programs or go on programs that we're supporting and it's it's that distinct from let's say maybe a charity um outside the jewish community that is might fundraise from a whole range of different parts of society and then but then go to let's say underprivileged kids right that's the sort of the distinction there yeah and so it's, it's, it's the people who are fundraising it's directly affecting their children their children's children that kind of thing yeah yeah, there's not to say that's good or bad. That's just a, an, as, an aspect of it. And obviously there are, you know, degrees of different levels of income and different poverty levels within the Jewish community as well. It's not to say that um, there are no um, underprivileged or deprived children or young people or families in the community. Of course there are. Um, but yeah. Ethically though, yeah. when we're going through all these different metrics to assess whether or not we want to donate to that charity what are some of the ethical things you might look at for a charity? Because there have been some high-profile issues, especially yes. with sort of the international development world, of charities who don't have or haven't had the best ethical practices lately. So what are some of the ethical places where charities can trip up? Yeah, so the first one that i think is most important is then the easiest way to remember it and it comes from the sort of the disability charity world 
which is nothing about us without us. Um, so are they listening? Are charities listening to the people that they serve? Are the people that they serve part of the decisions made about their lives? Um, sort of if we the sort of the origins of charity in the UK as as we know them now, like coming out of sort of um, the beginnings of the welfare state and post First and Second World War, is um, for want of a better word, way to describe it, middle class, upper class, white women um, going to help the poor um, and making decisions about, you know, who is deserving, who is not. There was this word, you know, the undeserving poor um, to people. You, know, you, you know, It's your fault you're in poverty. I'm not giving you any money. You're, you know, naughty. Therefore, you are undeserving. Um, we've moved away from that sort of language of thinking about it and thinking more holistically and systemically about poverty. But to a certain extent, the charity sector also still has that um, mentality. Yeah, mentality. I was going to say that problem with representation. Right. I can't remember the exact statistic off my head, but it's something like it's a 60 high percentage of of trustees, um, the people that ultimately are responsible for running the charity, um, are named like John or Jim. Like lots of predominantly older, like 60 plus, predominantly white, predominantly men. um, And that's not representative of the people that the charities are trying to serve. So are the, you know, are the, Nothing about us without us are the people the charity is trying to serve part of the decisions made about their lives. Um, we'll think about, you know, are they transparent? Are they registered? Are they accountable? Do they have good governance? Um, are they clear about what they do? Fun stat, though. One thing that I think should be more of a factor when picking a charity is that um, in 2019, 2020, a couple of years ago, um, the factors that people were using to decide what's important to them when picking a charity. It's like the 79% of people said that a high proportion of the money it raises going goes to those it's trying to help, which seems, you know, that makes sense. Right. The lowest was 16% is that the charity treats its employees well. It's like <laughs> the public doesn't give a, give it, yeah, so they couldn't swear, but the, the public don't care seemingly very much about that. Whereas I think they really, really should. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to come to that, but retention of employees at charities must be so important because say you've got, especially with those 80% of charities, right? They're going to be about quite a either small or specific cause, which requires knowledge of the people who are working in it to fundraise and educate and, and advocate for. So if people keep leaving because they're paid terribly, the working standards are awful, they don't get any overtime pay, they don't get very good pen. There's not, it's not good to work at a small charity, let's say that was true, right? Assuming. Then they're sure. not going to stay. Or is it that they stay anyway because they care so deeply about the cause? Is that why people don't care? Because we know they're going to do it anyway? A bit like teachers, probably. A little bit, yeah. I, I would think that there is an aspect of... Well, and I've heard this as well, as well, you've chosen to work for a charity. Huh. Tough, lump it out. That's <laughs> what, you know, get over it. Um, and it's also you know, the charity sector is not unique in having you know, challenges when it comes to you know, good working environments. Um, and sometimes it's even better. Like, you know, the charity sector is supposed to be values driven. It's supposed to be, you know, we care about society. We want people to be treated well and living well and all those things. Rather that, than just, we want more money. Well, yeah, it's it's not the state and it's not the market. It's that space in between. And yeah. it's also, it's not just about like people coming together, but it's coming together based on values. So a charity should also be doing that for its employees. And, you know, 
I, you know, some do, some don't. It, it varies. But what's interesting is you know whether or not people think that's important. Yeah, Which clearly they don't. We care about number one: does it do the thing it says it's going to do, and is the money I give going to that thing? And bottom of the list is how happy are the employees? It's just such a funny thing because it's such like an oxymoron in a way. Mm. Like I know someone again. I'm not going to say names who works for uh, an employee benefit company. So their goal is to help the employees right um but they as employees under that company are treated terribly yeah. so it's just like <laughs> yeah what i mean the review i'm not gonna say the name of the company but the reviews on the co- of this company on Glassdoor are hilarious yeah it's like but then it's exactly the same thing with a charity right you think are charities are charities on Glassdoor? some of the major ones or super major ones might be yeah but yeah, remember because 80% you're applying you're not, for a job yeah so. but remember that most charity like we're saying nine hundred thousand people work charity sector there's you know, 160,000 charities. Lots of those micro and small ones won't have any paid employees or will have one person as the paid employee right. and then it's rest of volunteers and trustees. So how they're being treated, then you know, you're not a paid employee, so you have different rights, different, you know, ways but you of being protected. Someone, you think someone who's not being paid should be treated even better? Yes. Because they're literally you know they're or, or the same. They should both be treated well. Yes, yeah, of yeah. course. No, no, no. Of course, of course. But like I don't know if you have someone working for you for free and someone working for you paid. At least the person's working for you is getting paid, right? It's there. Oh, yeah. oh, they should both be treated well, but the person working for you for free has zero reason to stay there except for the fact they want to help the charity. Yeah. Um, so they should be appreciated in a way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Once a person's donated, then how, how do you stay involved? Obviously, you can kind of follow on socials, especially if you're one of the donors. Donies. Donies? Donors? Donors. Don- donors. I don't know why that word failed. Especially for one of the donors of one of the many charities that uh, I run the social media for. Obviously, you can follow their marketing. You can follow them in terms of what they're saying and how they're saying it and where they're saying it. You can get involved as a committee member if they have them. You can fundraise personally, like, you know, the Macmillan Cancer Coffee Morning thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, why is that so important to charities that I stay involved? Well, there's two reasons. One is, so you stay involved and then continue to give money. Like that's that's really important, um, because without donors, charities can't function. Um, most of the income in the charity sector is voluntary income. So people, the person on the street choosing to give it, you know, the, there there are also government contracts and public services and social services that are run through charities. Um, that's a whole other thing to talk about. Um, but also the sort of what's shimmy what you were saying before the, that sense of um, you give because you care about it. It's yeah. a statement of value. You want to be a part of that community of people that are doing something to solve this thing. So staying involved, is, it's just, it feels nice. Yeah. It's good. Um, and charities should be making sure that you feel good to be a part of it. Sending you specific updates saying, you know, this is what we're doing. This is what how we're happening. This is what's going on. Um, all those different bits and pieces. And that's another yeah. thing. I mean, charities treat the donors really well mm-hmm. because they're the donors. Mm-hmm. So it's like they treat everyone well. It's just such a funny statistic that, yeah, you know, I still can't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, well, indeed. Well, the true answer, honestly, the charities that you donate to, how deeply do you care about how happy their employees are? If I'm being honest, I don't know how, right. how I don't, I, I know the charity, but I don't know the ins and outs of their employees. I mean, I've met a couple of the employees, um, but I, I don't know the ins and outs of, how they're treated or how much they like their job i mean there yeah, that looking at that statistic you could read it and go well people don't care about charity employees well more likely people like you and me don't know 
So I don't care for that reason. I just, I've never thought to look into that aspect of the charity. When you think of charity, you don't think of the people working for the charity. You think of what the charity is doing. Mm. So I've never thought to think about how the people behind the charity are being treated. It's the same It's the same with everything. And, you know, if we're not talking about charity, if you think about just companies like Apple or Nike or any of these companies. Or Amazon. Well, yeah, you think about the product and how well the products are being delivered and how good the quality of the products are. But no one ever thinks about how well the employees are being treated in that company. It's just it's the next level on and it doesn't really affect you at all so yeah and, char- and charities specifically can do a much better job and it's like charity employees can do a much better job of talking about that as a relevant factor yeah that, for sure because it's also for the charities that you know the, the charities that are trying to solve complex social problems you will need good people in order to do that and you know okay, you should be proud of the charity should be proud of the expertise of its employees and trumpet it and saying this is one of the reasons to give to us is because we have the best people in in the world doing this trying to solve the social problem um as opposed to like sandra down the street or bob down the street that's voluntarily you know happens to work for the charity like be proud be proud of the people that you have and celebrate them well, yeah and because because for me it's it, it's a it's a for when I'm thinking about what I'm donating to charities, that's one of the things that I look at. Well, yeah, Who's because being, you're in I, it. Because I'm in it and that's yeah. what I see. Yeah. Is there an obvious divide between the charities that are major charities earning, uh, not earning, but bringing in millions and uh, the smaller charities bringing in hundreds of thousands? Is there an obvious divide of how they're treating their employees? And it's like, well, we're treating our employees better. That way they have better work. I think that way they want to raise more. Or is it just like that 16% could be, you know, for the biggest, biggest charities or the smallest charities? Yeah, so that, that, that there's a, the statistic there about 16% is that when the public is using, you know, is deciding what factors are relevant when making a decision, only 16% said how employees are treated is relevant. Ah, okay. Fine. It's not saying that sixteen percent of only sixteen percent of charities uh, treat their employees well. Right, right, right. That's not true. Um, <laughs> ah, okay. So it's yeah. be that distinction then. <laughs> yeah, for the most part, um, you know, let's take for example HR functions. Right. Yeah. You know, how many of those micro and small charities have an HR person? Most of them won't. They yeah. might have a trustee, somebody who's volunteering to help run the charity that has that specific expertise. Um, and more and more that's sort of being put as a priority um, in the same way that you have somebody who knows what they're doing when it comes to the financial stuff and the legal stuff is also, okay, HR is its own specific subset that charities need to have. Um, but it's life and day between the super, the major and the super major. Because the super major, then you have hundreds, hundreds and thousands of people working for them. It's a huge charity. It's a huge organization. Forget about charity. So it's going to treat its employees and going to think about those things very differently. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So talking about the distinction between massive charities and small ones. Yeah. If you've got a, a thing that needs to be solved or dealt with, doesn't a charity that's in the millions or hundreds of millions do a much better job than a charity in the who's got £10,000 to solve these issues? Obviously, they're two different issues. So, you know, a £10,000 charity is probably not trying to cure cancer. With ten grand, because that's right. not going to happen. Yeah, whereas cancer research UK with whatever nine hundred or six hundred million is going to have a stand a much better chance. But say there's a l- huge, so from where I come from, youth work charities, right, and then there's very 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 small ones. Surely the much bigger ones will do a much better job and are therefore more deserving of the money that I might have to give. Is that a fair statement to put out there? Uh, no. 
I would disagree as well with that. All right, so I'm not saying it was my opinion. <laughs> well, now <laughs> it is your opinion. It it you just put it out yeah. there. So should we go first? I, mean, I, would, I would just say, I don't think the, matter, the size of the charity matters in terms of what their impact can be. If anything, a smaller charity, your money could go a lot further because they have less people to pay, no offense, but they have less people to pay, oh, right. less things to do. Um, and the money is more focused on the task at hand, whereas a much bigger ca- um, charity will focus on campaigns and fundraisers and, and people to employ and all these other things. So a portion of your money might go to, they might go, less might go to the actual cause sure. at hand. So it might be more direct to give to a small charity because it's going to go through fewer things to get to the beneficiary. But right. a bigger charity will be able to employ better people, do more research, have better HR, like all these things we just talked about, how you know if you've got really good and happy employees who are good at what they do, they're probably more likely to work in a large charity than a very small one. Just a guess. I don't know if that's true. I don't have data to say. Just a guess. Let's yeah. say, let's not say that was true. But that's just what I would opinion hypothesizing. This is my opinion, yeah. right? Because if I was an employee of a charity, I wouldn't want to work for a tiny one because it's probably not much money in it. And I'm really, really good. I want to work for a large one, have a proper living. But wouldn't you want to make a small one large because you're so good? Probably very hard. So I think that the... It's somewhat of a false dichotomy that you've created. That the distinct is that both are important, but they both do different things. So take youth work as an example. Is that we need people on the ground doing youth work in each local community, running the youth centres, talking to the kids, uh, working with them, supporting them, all those sorts of things. We also need people who are making sure that the youth workers are trained, and maybe that needs to be a national charity. We also need to make make sure that there are people that are doing research as to what's the most effective forms of youth work and what are the issues facing young people and making sure that resources are placed in the proper you know part we need people that are making sure that schools and synagogues and no faith organizations and all those all the and families and the public and public health and all those different parts that are connected to a young person's life are coordinated and working well with each other a local charity in hendon where we're sitting can't do that but a large charity might be able to but you need both because one can't, they can't exist with each without each other. Where it falls down sometimes is when the large charities try to do local work without local knowledge, and that comes back to the nothing about us without us. So if this large large charity comes in and says, "Okay, you now need to do this, you need to do this," and the local community says, "Well, no, sod off, that's not going to work. We don't care. <laughs> we want to do this. We want to put our money towards this," um, and that's like there's lots of tension there sometimes. Um, and there's a tendency for charities to act like um, to forget about that local expertise and knowledge. Um, there's a movement to try and move, like, focus more on you know people, everybody coming together to do things well, come out of that civil society, those roots of what charity sector is supposed to be about, um, and not just about those large charities you know getting doing lots of people doing lots of good work but forgetting about the people on the ground forgetting about the beneficiaries right so it has to be a balance between the two isn't there also a trend now within commentators on the charity sector about merging they want people to be merging all the time yeah why is that where's that <laughs> you do where's, not like that <laughs> where's that coming from because i see it all the time when i'm reading about these things and obviously talking to you because we're brothers and we live together um why do people want charities to merge all the time right you've got Four charities that all care about, say, I don't know, X topic, you should merge and you'll do much better. Is that true or is that just a something that's in the zeitgeist at the moment? Yeah. So to a certain extent, I think that narrative or that push is an expression of um, something along the lines of the, some, the overhead myth 
which is that most of the, you know, the over, there's a thing called overhead, which is an accounting term, but has sort of become its own thing within the charity sector of staff, Just costs, costs, you know, the building, the power, the electricity, those the same thing, uh, the Wi-Fi, all those things that go into running a charity and running an organization are overheads, you know, the fundraisers, salaries, and all those things. Um, and if we can reduce overheads, the more money can be given to beneficiaries. Um, that's smart though no and also you're not just reducing overheads but you're also combining knowledge of four different yeah. charities or however many charities want to merge in a way yeah so if there are ways to share overhead like if lots of i don't know local youth work charities can run you know instead of running instead of renting five different offices but they can all work out of the same office and reduce costs there then yeah that makes sense that that's you know i don't see anything wrong with that and they, you know, if they're all in the same building, they're more likely to talk to each other, which is always good because then, then they can coordinate. But sometimes it's it's not as neat as, okay, you're all doing youth work and we should all be together, but it's actually you're doing a slightly different type and you should be doing your own thing separately. And that's when you know, you're serving the community and there's this need and that's good and great and you should continue to do that on your own, doing your own thing. Um, so that's part of where I see it. Is that and, and the reason why I call it an overhead myth it comes back to what we were just saying before is that those things are, are not overheads. They're not you know um, supplementary or unnecessary. Those are the things that are vital in order for the charity to function to do the good work. Um, especially when we're talking about not just taking money and giving money to beneficiaries and you know just being a funnel for it, but doing the sort of the more systemic stuff. Um, yeah, someone's yeah. got to run the company that sorts yeah. out the charity in a way. So that's why I kind of think of it as a company. Yeah. Is because you need to have that person, that expert, who knows what he's doing with the money rather than you just go and giving money to the the individual who is suffering somehow. Yeah, exactly. It will go a lot further yeah. giving it to an expert, even though some of your money will go to paying the bills. Yes. Yeah. So like, think about it, you know, this, uh, when it comes to, let's say, homelessness. So you could, you see somebody homeless on the street and you want to um, give them money so they have somewhere to sleep at night. Great, good, good use of money. Okay, but then how do you make sure that they're not sleeping there the next night? Are you going to keep giving them, keep supporting them? Okay, what about, you know, when they get to that home, that, that shelter, do they have food and a good meal? Do they have resources that they can use? You know, can they get a pair of clippers and have a haircut? Can they have, like, training so they're going to, you know, get employment? Do they have access to legal services so they can, you know, access the resources that they're entitled to from the government and it starts to grow and grow and grow and become more and more complex and that's where sort of the charities that's and charities don't necessarily do a good enough job of explaining why it gets more and more complex and it's not just about donor give me money so i can give it to this one person it's about the system and making that change yeah so the mer the push to merge sometimes forgets about that complexity and it also shows how your money will go a lot further giving it to a charity than walking past a homeless person and giving them £10. If you give it to a charity that helps homeless people, you're not just giving £10, but you're helping them potentially get jobs yeah. and housing and yeah. all of these things. Yeah, I think both are important. Um, right. and there's, you know, for taking like specific like a Jewish lens for a moment, putting on my Jewish educator hats, when on our festival of Purim, there's this particular line that, you know, you should be able to, if somebody reaches out their hand, you should give it to them. You, know, you should give them money and that sense of um i'm walking down the street i can reach in my pocket and give money or like now i don't carry cash to so like tap a thing and whatever um that's it of value in and of itself you are being charitable and you're expressing it as a value that's good and you should do that but also think about okay i'll do that 
and also try and solve it on a more systemic way so do both right yeah well i think that description of you want to help this homeless person can give them money and that's good and that i think within society it's still good to give to people physically in person to them directly um but also you then what you're talking about is a whole other person it's not just a homeless thing it's not a word it's an actual person we're coming with all these people we want to help or that society wants to help it's not as simple as okay we take them from not in a house to in a house good that was easy right because that house needs to have all the things they need to succeed as a person otherwise they won't be there for very long or this person is now gonna not have cancer anymore great what about all the complications after it okay this person does have cancer we're going to deal with their care all right well how happy are they what's their yeah. quality of life yeah. like you you can add and add and add to every issue you want to solve refugees are coming in great we want to give them socks brilliant now where are they living okay now they're living there have they got computers to apply for jobs and asylum status like it, you just build and build and build and build and that's where i can sometimes lose a little bit of i don't know if it's trust or faith or or energy to like i want it to be simple but i know it's not but charities rely so much on me trusting because i'm not realistically going to do that much research even though we've just talked about all the research we can do and should do i'm not going to do it so charities are going to rely on me trusting that they're going to do good stuff with my money and they understand all the complexities there was a guy we talk about mergers right cancer research uk which is one of the largest charities in the uk came out as a result of a merger one of the guys who did that merger this john gordon mcvee character he wrote that the charity sector only functions because of trust how do charities get that trust can i just me? put in can i just put in before you answer that what you're describing was so interesting because the way you're talking about giving money to a charity and just having have to have so much trust and you can't be expected to do all the research let me ask you, obviously you're not saying you, but you're saying general public. When you vote for someone, how much research are you putting in to what that person's promising? You're Pro sort of asking the wrong person on that particular one because I really love politics. Exactly. So I know a no, fair and bit. And that's, that's specifically why I've, I've, I'm asking this question because I know you put in a ton of research into someone you're voting for because it's so unbelievably important. Even more so, a I charity. I do all that research and then I just close my eyes and tick a box. <laughs> Fine, but even, joking. <laughs> but even more so a charity where it's very similar in the sense that you're you're trusting someone to do what they're promising ex and you're giving money rather than just ticking a box yeah. right you should want to do even more research because you're physically giving money rather than just doing the simple thing of ticking a box i guess a huge distinction there is that charities will have a track record yeah, but so will the, uh, that so they are more honestly going to stick to than say a politician. I think that's a huge difference. Obviously, oh no, I'm not comparing. Politicians the two. are notorious for lying. Charity, yeah. or not. <laughs> no, no, no. Of course, I'm not comparing you, but I'm saying that 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 the way you were describing all of this research and then having to have some trust and all this and it's similar. It's yeah, it's yeah. just it's very similar. So how how yeah. the charities so just keep my trust? Whilst we're thinking about just you know in the same way thinking about it, it's also relevant to when picking a politician or voting. The other way I would think about it is when you're buying a car. Or investing in something, anything, you know, buying yeah. anything. The amount of research that you would put into, let's say, buying a laptop versus buying a, I don't know, a packet of crisps. You're not going to research the packet of crisps, but if you're, you know, so giving fifty p if you're giving a quid to charity, great. Don't do all this, you know. I mean, you could do research if you want to, but whatever. It's a quid. It's it's not make. It's important. It's valuable. It's not making that much difference. Right. Give a quid. Wonderful. Good. 
Um, yeah, it's much better. Yeah. <laughs> but if you, but if you're, you know, if you're spending a thousand pounds or a hundred pounds or uh, whatever, then yeah, whatever the money to yeah. is that the, re- the research and the care yeah, that you take should be proportionate to the amount that you're giving. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's interesting you mentioned voting as well, though. So there was like this trust and confidence uh, survey done um, out of like a score out of ten about how the much the public trusts people or like institutions. So that, you know, how much do you trust the ordinary man or woman in the street out of ten? Seven. Yeah, solid and healthy seven, six and a half, nearly close to eight. Well, you're very trustworthy people. So the yeah. the average was five and a half Ooh. out of ten. Um, the highest is doctors and f- at seven. 7.3 police 6.5 <laughs> interesting about the I'd police be, I'd be amazed if the police were still that high after COVID yeah and in all fairness we say 7 but if you're walking down the street would you give someone your phone to make a phone call depends on the phone they, it's, uh, it me, depends on the person there you go yeah it just does depend on sort of how big they are but me generally speaking yeah I'm quite comfortable with a concept that I might right. have to deal with some conflict right but that shouldn't be everybody. Interesting that you go to conflict first as opposed to... I'm saying if that was going to be an issue, like that that would be the reason not to trust me if they nicked it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. That's all. Yeah, sure. I mean, That's the only really thing... Don't go, go down on. that tangent, but yeah. Um, but yes. So charities are six and 6.2. So just above um, the ordinary man or woman in the street. Um, that's gone up recently. It used to be like in 2014, it was much lower. Really? 2014 and, and there was this big scandal around like kids company this big charity that um kids charity that had lots of misdealings and it wasn't spending its money wisely or well and lots of issues um it's google it and the charity commission did a um investigation into it and recently published a report part in the last i don't know 16 18 months i don't remember when seeing it um but referencing voting so the MPs and government ministers were 3.8. <laughs> this was post-COVID. Um, so it might be, you know, maybe the government... Um, it's, it's not particularly shocking, is it? <laughs> yes. Really so don't trust um, but interestingly, younger people are less likely to trust charities and see them as relevant compared to older people. Which is why we're making this episode. Well, I also totally understand that because there's, there's so many and I sort of just want to... I also, I think as a generation, we're a little bit more impatient. And if charities, like we're saying, have all this complexity that they have to communicate to us, first of all, they have to communicate to that to us via the means where we are as a generation, which is on the internet. And if they aren't doing that, we're not seeing the information they're giving. Whereas if they're doing TV and radio ads, that's being heard. Right, plug, please. Which is, which is why you should uh, all go, you know, hire Josh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, we're a little bit more impatient. So we kind of want to see our money have more impact much faster, which is why we love the crowdfunding stuff. Like, oh, this person in X country. Yeah has lost their dog and has cancer and their mum died. Like, you also oh, being, I can give yeah. money and that's really yeah, easy. You also be, it's much easier to see yourself being part of a movement as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there are lots of things. You know, chari- Not that that thing I described isn't terrible. I described it in a very blasé way, but it, that's awful and you should help those people. Yes. <laughs> I think that's interesting that younger people trust charities less. Yeah, I mean, um, but it's also that, that the role of charities are changing. So there's also stuff like social enterprise and um chari- businesses that are making a profit but also are doing a social good as well um so i don't i'm trying to give an example off the top of my head um sky sky the ocean water stuff sky massive corporation is doing a lot to help clean up 
the oceans. Yeah. So I meant more. So yes, but that's yes, more. That's no, more like corporate social responsibility. That's a. Um, but I'm, when I mean by social enterprises, it is that its core business makes money and is also a social good. But then would that be considered a charity? Because no, no, cause no. of course, right? Because we said yeah. it's non-profit. Yeah. Um, so there are these other sorts of things that exist, and lots of grassroots work as well that aren't registered charities at the charity commission and have trustees and structure and governance and all these things, but are just maybe a little bit more sexy, move faster, can speak to a younger generation. But yeah. So if you were looking at a charity, right, and and it wanted to build trust, what what would be like three things you do? Um, be as super transparent as possible, and then go further. Um, I start that with everything, really, though. Well, yeah, basically be very, very clear on what you're doing, how you're doing it, what decisions you're making, um, how the money's being spent, um, you know, do research into, you know, for example, like specifically when coming to the, you know, there's like um, gender disparity, disparity in pay for the charity sector. Some charities choose to publish it. They're not required by law, um, but some, you know, but some do. Um, I think all charities should. You know, be clear on how the money is being spent and it's being spent according to the values of your charity um, and charities and the charity sector in general so transparency um involve people that, that are your beneficiaries in the decisions that you're making in a real meaningful way so take like say a youth work charity do you have a young person on your board that's smart the people that are making decisions are um are also the ones that are going to be affected by them. Um, so then, yeah, that's like accountability, trust, uh, transparency. Think about power. Um, specifically, and it, it's sort of it's not it's not really that that's really part of the same sort of theme. But thinking about um, not just about other people that are affected by the decisions, part of it, but who's been missing from that conversation for a long time and, and should be a part of it even like and like make an effort to make sure they're a part of it uh what else should they do one I mean, more that, yeah. that sounds pretty solid yeah yeah <laughs> as a as a place to go just to kind of wrap up we've discussed so much and i'm sure we can definitely bring you back and go into a little bit more detail especially when it comes to what i wanted to get into which we might not get into today is is almost as an employee as a as a charity worker as a charity worker one of the things you need skills characteristics that for someone who was interested in going into it what do they need everything <laughs> well yeah because you need to be able to do all things all the time yeah um but i think we're gonna sort of take a leave there and just kind of oh well i've got a question for you which is you're nearly 10 years into your career right well, you are 10 years into your career. You're not an accountant, he's in yes. charity. Yes. If, if, if I'm a program were, director, not the finance director. If you, were, uh, yeah. if you were 18, would you make the same choice? Um, with everything you know? Well, that's a good question, actually. With everything that I know. That's why I run a podcast. Oh, indeed. You run it now. Co-run. Co Thank co -run you. The <laughs> nice. The, would I make the same decisions with everything that I know? Yes or no? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, I'm not sure. I'll be honest. I'm okay. so when I was just. I'm thinking. The thing I wrestle with is okay. What is the most good you can do? And what is the most good that I can do with my skills and my knowledge? And is that to work in the charity sector? Is that to work in, let's say, for a social enterprise? 
Um, I know that I want to be doing the most good possible. And that's not just through having a business and then donating. Um, and we were talking about this the other day. Like, I don't think I'd enjoy working, say, in corporate or that sort of thing. Not for me. I mean, obviously, that's not the only way to make money. There's lots of other ways <laughs> you can do that. But sort of comparing to, like, my peers who have gone on, like, you know, we've won the same, like, paths in school and university or whatever. Um, I don't think I would in- enjoy that. And ultimately, it's not. it's also about you know doing good but also like i enjoy the work that i do it's fun every day is different and um i get to make a difference for people's lives and that's cool so yeah it is pretty cool i, I think like i think this episode hopefully will go some way to helping people trust the charity sector because i have the privilege of living with one two people who have spent most of their careers in the charity sector including me for a bit actually um who's the second person as in our sister shouldn't live with us i was gonna say i was gonna say your sister's in charity as well isn't she yeah so i know from the people who work in them that even if sometimes the actual charities they work for are large and cumbersome the people in it are all trying incredibly hard to make it as effective as possible and do the most good like you were saying um it's just really 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 hard to do because charities are like any company any business no business or company or organization is 100 percent efficient all the time the people work in them it's not robots so if we wouldn't expect corporate people to be robots and just work nonstop and never have a life or an argument or a disagreement or a discussion with a co-worker, we shouldn't think the same for charity worker employees who are doing incredible stuff. I think we're going to leave it there. So we're very grateful mm. for Pleasure. you. That was fun. Coming on. We'll do this again. I think there's so many more questions that yeah. you know, we both have. Um, but thank you ever so much for A, coming on, B, what you're doing, and C, um, if there's anybody who's given me more mentorship and advice other than Shimmy no. <laughs> in my life, it's probably you. Um, so as you can tell from what he's, he's very, talking about. He's very cute on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is the nicest I'm ever going to be. Never said that before. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, all public persona. Really, I'm horrible. Um, but yes, thank you for everything as always. Um, thank you for coming on, Shim. Always it's a pleasure. A pleasure. This, is the, this is the Young, Dumb and Broke podcast. Do, if you are still listening, if you're part of the 30%, our 30 percenters who stick around till the end, leave a review on IE Apple Podcasts. You were going to say uh, iTunes. I was. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment on any Instagram post saying just checking in. Leave a review. Write a comment if it's funny. We'll read it out. Send in questions. Engage with us. You will start to see a lot more of us on the, the social media um, in the coming Soon. days and weeks. This is the Young Done Broke Podcast Season 2, Episode Number 3. Have a wonderful rest of your day, night, evening, wherever you are. See ya. See ya. See ya.